This podcast is a member of the Voices of Wrestling podcasting network. Visit VoicesOfWrestling.com to hear the rest of our great podcasts, as well as show reviews, columns, opinions, and updates across the world of wrestling. Thunder Buddies and Travelers Down Thunder Road, it's us, Days of Thunder, the WCW Thunder rewatch podcast that you didn't ask for, but we did anyway, coming to you as part of the Voices of Wrestling podcast network. I'm your host, your smoldering WrestleMania sign upon Thunder Road, Dave Ryan, and I am joined, as I am every week, by my faithful co-host, Stagger Lee Malone. Lee, how are you? I am pointing at the WrestleMania sign, Dave. Are you? It's on fire, but I'm still pointing at it. Won't somebody please think of the signs? <laughs> if that's not you know a perfect um what's the, the a perfect symbol of everything that wwe yeah. is in 2022 it's yeah. their fucking wrestlemania sign is on fire our good friend um barry murphy of uh the barry lad of uh um, of, of the barry lad <laughs> of barry lad fame of it he's just he's just an internet mogul at this stage isn't he um a, a multi he's a triple threat you know twitch twitter podcasts he's got the he's got the whole game on lock but uh he had a thing is like is there anything more illustrative of how set in their ways wwe are that first rumble happens ronda points at the sign sign catches fire and instead of going lads should we play it safe and maybe just do something else instead of point at the sign and set more pyro off they just fucking did it again and the sign caught fire again mm-hmm um, this is a company that's set in their ways and you just got to do it that way. Yeah, where you burn the whole fucking house down quite literally or not. Um, like, look, let's park that for a second. Um, how have you been, buddy? It's been a busy week for you. I am fucking exhausted. <laughs> oh, yeah, it's my first week back on work. The baby is still a baby. I still really? <laughs> They, they don't go it up any quicker. It, it, it didn't turn into a fucking pelican in the two weeks. <laughs> I don't know. You like you gotta keep feeding there. It, it's... I'm. I tell you, I'm learning a lot about the miracle of life on this program. <laughs> oh man. Uh, yeah. No, it's just. I uh, look. The baby is great. I love her. It's just sometimes I need to sleep. Sometimes my wife needs to sleep. Yeah. My son, she, my my son is sleeping perfectly, and I hate him. Yeah. <laughs> See, that's the thing now is that you need to, in short order, train the big dog to mind his little sister, and just be done with it. Ah, to be fair, he's brilliant with her. Yeah, and he yeah. constantly wants to help. It's yeah. just, it's he's just not quite old enough to be able to do. Right. How how old is the big dog now? He's nine now. Ah, oh, look. Lee, hundred years ago they were sending kids his age off to the coal mines all day. Yeah, but like, nah, not having it. <laughs> <laughs> nah, 
Nah. <laughs> well, you's all here to hear first. Yeah. Da- you Dave, need- Dave is pro child labour. <laughs> <laughs> if you want to cancel him, that's at the day to Dave. <laughs> thanks, Lee. Thanks. The one time you remember to plug stuff is. This is make sure I get firmly cancelled. Receipts will be handed out on this show at various yeah. points. That's a receipt. <laughs> Lee, Lee's engagement in social media platforms is either to cancel me, to troll people who like Edge, or to see if he can get away without watching Thunder this week. As people in the, the, the VOW Discord found out a few hours ago. Yeah. And who, have I watched Thunder? Nobody knows. It's, it's safe to say that for at least one of us, these are hot, fresh takes because I finished uh, this episode of Thunder uh, 35 minutes ago. <laughs> I can honestly say I wasn't long before you. <laughs> yeah. Normally, so because of your work, as you said, yeah. you were absolutely I, exhausted. Yeah, I, I, I was in stuff. I was in work at seven o'clock this morning, so I was up. Well, I would have been up at five o'clock, but I was up at half three yeah. this morning. It is now coming up on half eight, so I don't know how many hours that is. Yeah, lots. It's um, lots. After a day's work, it's lots. Yeah. Look, we're not mathematicians on this podcast, just child labor enthusiasts. I think that that much is known about us. Um, but yeah, so because of that, we kind of moved our recording around. Normally, like we'd both get it watched a couple of days beforehand, mm-hmm. maybe a day beforehand to, to keep it fresh in the memory. Uh, so it was like right before the rumble last night, you were like, can we move? And I was like, damn, like there's like a level of like where we're fr- friends. And I, I completely understand that. And I'm like, yes, I will absolutely where there is flexibility in my schedule move to accommodate that. That is completely mm-hmm. understandable. But then there's like the pure logistical level where I try to game out the amount of hours I have for like watching this stupid rumble, which I probably shouldn't have done in hindsight, uh, sleeping. Uh, doing doing the stuff I had planned today and watching an episode of Thunder before recording at eight o'clock, and I was just like, "Son of a bitch." <laughs> I, I mean, listen, if you cut Thunder out of, out of all those things, I wouldn't have blamed you. Honestly, of the two wrestling shows I watched the twenty four hours last twenty four hours, I had more fun watching Thunder, uh, and it was probably equally consequential. Yeah, uh, l- l- less of a train wreck. Mm. But uh, let's uh, let's talk about that for a second, I guess, because this is everybody's going to be talking about this week. I know this is coming out on the Thursday after the Rumble, so these will be like rancid expired takes by then. Uh, uh, Austin so Terry will too be, long on it. Austin Terry will already be WWE champion by the time this show drops. Yeah. Uh, I was learning so many things during this rumble like I know it's a bit of a joke on Twitter but like it is true that like almost every entrant was a surprise entrant for me because I don't know anyone's theme or anything because oh yeah all the CFOS teams are gone but also because I haven't watched anything like main roster or NXT since Survivor Series and before that I can't even remember if I watched SummerSlam like um i was saying this to to someone today it's like could you have imagined telling yourself when you were like a, a kid or a teenager that one day you'd have pretty much unfettered access to and convenient access to live wwe pay-per-views and you just wouldn't be bothered mm-hmm. it's incredible it, it, like it's amazing like when i started writing for vow i was like you're actually gonna allow me 
talk about WWE shows. That's incredible. I love this. Mm. You know, I did a couple of WrestleManias. I fell asleep halfway through one, so I was ahead of the posse on realizing WWE is shit. But um, yeah, no, it it is incredible to think in hindsight that you know, like you say, you have all this access, free, available, easy access to pay per views every month, and yet everyone just goes, ah, "Fuck that." Yeah, you, you you are like you come to the like because the rumble I think is the most like casual fan friendly point to jump in because mm-hmm. it's like much as there are usually ongoing feuds going on into it, it's very much a chapter one if you want to stay in through mania season. So you'll see a lot of casuals kind of give it a go. Ah, oh, let's check in and see what everybody's that, doing. That's why, like, if you remember, like, 10, 12 years ago, probably longer than that, probably 12, 15 years ago ratings on raw would rise from the second week of january on through Mm -hmm. the end of wrestlemania yeah i like yeah due in part to that and in part to like the regular nfl season ending as well like it was per it used to be perfect Mm -hmm. timing annually but what you're reminded of now is because you kind of like sometimes you jazz yourself up a little like i i don't at this point jazz myself up for any storylines or any plans or anything like that but i kind of go hey like do you know on paper this is like a significantly more talented roster bell to bell than you know when we were growing up say but like you come in going well like at the bare minimum they can put on are like you know three star matches and um you know decent battle royals with like good mini arcs going on Mm. within them and then you come crashing down to earth with the realization that as soon as like the pen comes out and things start getting booked and written on these shows you remember you remind yourself why you don't go back to them anymore and i know it's kind of rich for us coming from like a wcw thunder podcast <laughs> talking about it but it it is like staggering you know Look, because it's not even the kind of fun bad that we can get on board with no and and that's what i mean like it's something I, i've said on twitter like WCW at its worst isn't as bad as current day WWF or w- yeah. WWE, not WWF. Um, but yeah, like it's just like WCW for all its faults still had people that were over. Yeah, WWE have Becky, yeah. Roman, Brock, and Orton, and that's it. Yeah, and now Ronda again. I mean, is she over? She, I mean. <laughs> She was in her first run, but yeah, that way. But yeah. like, she's going to be in there with Charlotte, so yeah, that's mm. uh, yeah. Like that's the thing. You, you come in and you're just like, oh, you know, the really funny trolley thing. It'd be really funny if Charlotte threw Rhea out, la la la, and then that is what happened. And you know, it'd be really funny if like you know Ronda finally returns, and instead of giving us the Becky match, which is the one Ronda singles match at WrestleMania everyone's wanted for mm-hmm. three and a half years now at this stage. They just did it. They gave her to Charlotte to appease Charlotte, and that is what they're doing. Yep. Um. So, like, yeah, just checked out. Uh, actually, much more excited to talk about Thunder than to continue talking about that. <laughs> uh. Listen, we've got a, a point of a programming note for upcoming shows. Um. So the next show, obviously, because this is the go home for Super Bowl Nine. 
So two weeks from now will be the Super Bowl nine episode, but uh, two weeks after that, um, instead of going straight to Thunder Fifty Two, we are going to do an episode of one of our limited series on the show. And I know longtime listeners are are well aware of this, but just when we revisit these limited series every now and then, we're just going to have to remind the the new listeners that joined us uh, as of last episode from the VOW feed. Um, what they are and um the series we're going with is a series we like to call that you dubbed lee uh thunder request live um last year we did a bit of a fundraising drive just to get uh listeners to chuck in uh, a couple of bones to keep the lights on over at our old place of residence and they did so very charitably very generously we really appreciated that and we said the kind of um the 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 carrot we put on the stick for that was um if you donated a certain amount you would get to request a, a show for us to cover and to review um that is outside of the usual thunder timeline um because we don't want to be jumping around in the timeline we're already in. So it could be any wrestling promotion. We said it could be a movie. It could be it could be fucking anything. Like, you know, pitch us. It could be the Macho Man's rap album. You know, you 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 make your choice. Um please, please and, don't choose that. <laughs> yeah. So we got we got five shows. We we already did one. Um, which was the Saturday Night Nitro, and we did a live play-by-play for that. Um, we have four left on our Wheel of Fate, and next week, before we start proceedings on Super Brawl 9, we're going to spin the wheel one more time. We haven't revealed what any of the shows uh, have been before we spun the wheel, and that will continue, but we will let you know which one won next week, so that if you do want to watch the show before we do it, um, you can feel free to do so. Um, and of course, as we're watching it, then we'll be throwing stuff into the Discord and onto Twitter as we're watching it, and then we'll be recording it ourselves um, to talk about. So, yeah, so that's just the the plan for the upcoming shows, Lee. Um, and you've seen what the four shows that are left on the wheel are, and um, I'm pretty sure it's four absolute crackers. Yeah, I'm pretty sure it's four kind of diverse of good shows. Yeah, that will have. Um some interesting highlights shall we say yeah there's one. two there's interestingly and we will get to it if it comes out in the draw there are two shows that were nominated by two different listeners that are actually quite linked mm-hmm. um so that's interesting when we draw the first one of those i think we'll do that as a one two the next two shows yeah. will be those two i think that makes the most sense but we cross that bridge when we come to it um yeah, so looking forward to getting back onto TRL. We we like to take these occasional breaks off uh, the main route of Thunder Road to to catch our breath. And I think after a pay per view is a perfect time um, to do one of those. Lee, for the first time on this program, we have a sponsor. We do. I'm very excited about this. After uh, after after three years, uh, we're finally here. We've hit the big time. And uh, let me tell you, we are excited to have on board the fine, the fine people uh, at HelloFresh. What is HelloFresh, you might ask, Lee? You are a man. I I see you there. I see you on the screen in front of me. And I know you're a man who doesn't like putting in effort when he doesn't have to. Would I be right in saying that? Have you been talking to my wife again? 
I have, yeah, yeah. I, I've been talking to your wife. Even your therapist is like, this guy, <laughs> this guy. So, it, you know, if that is true of you, if what everybody is saying behind your back at the meetings we have uh, in between the podcast talking about you, uh, if all that is true, the people at HelloFresh are here to help you. With HelloFresh, you get farm fresh pre-portioned ingredients and seasonal recipes delivered right to your doorstep. Skip trips to the grocery store and count on HelloFresh to make home cooking easy, fun and affordable. That's why they are America's number one meal kit. Lee, it couldn't be made much more simple for you than that. So HelloFresh are here to save your bacon. Um, the new year, really, like, you know, we're, we're in this phase where it's, you know, new year, new you. And the new year is a great time to focus on what's most important to you. It could be saving money to order less takeout, learning to cook, or prioritizing your wellness. HelloFresh is here to help you with endless options to make cooking at home simple and enjoyable. Uh, HelloFresh delivers pre-portioned ingredients to your door, including farm fresh produce that arrives within a week. So you get convenience without skimping on quality. Skip the trip to the grocery store, saving you the wait in long holiday lines, ensuring you don't waste money on excess food. Lee, the the pre-portioned ingredients thing really appeals to me because I don't know about you like I'm a man who loves his cooking and I don't do cooking by weighing I do cooking by just throwing stuff in a pan and the amount of times I have cooked often it's too much food but on occasion too little food Mm -hmm. the idea of having my ingredients pre-portioned before they even get in the house is pretty great yeah I mean the idea of having a recipe card telling me exactly what to do how much to put in how not to put in too much that's just yeah. that's ideal for me as a man with a growing family i get to spend less time in the kitchen more time with them i mean what's not to love to avail of uh of hello fresh please do go to hellofresh.com slash vow16 use the code vow16 uh, for up to 16 free meals and three free gifts lee that would that would nearly get us through the weekend 16 free meals i mean one it would actually, yeah. Yeah. So that's hellofresh.com slash VOW16. And the code is VOW16. And you get 16 free meals and three free gifts. Lee, without much further ado, shall we launch into it? Let's. This is Thunder episode 51, dated 18th of February 1999, coming to you from Salt Lake City, Utah. Uh, this is the go home show, as we said earlier, for uh, Super Brawl Nine, um, and we start off with a cold open that flashes back to Nitro with a man that I can only describe as Wet Bandit Hogan. <laughs> I can now only imagine how bad Home Alone would have been if Hulk Hogan was one of the Wet Bandits. <laughs> Terry and Marv. <laughs> who who could ah? Oh, it have to be ter- it have to be Terry and Ed, wouldn't it? Gotta gotta rub your house, brother. <laughs> Put a brutoy with him. Yeah, yeah. Oh my God, yeah. Would would it? What gimmick would he have? Which one of his gimmicks? I mean, it could be any of them. He could be the butcher, the man with no name, the man with no name. It could be the booty man here to rob you, B- Big Brother Booty. Yeah. Ah. Oh. The, the possibilities are endless. I mean, he could change every scene and still never run out of gimmicks. Yeah. Would that... Oh, my God. Would that make Sting the old man across the road with the shovel? Yes. Yes, it Joe who comes to save the day at the end because he's like a stalking presence throughout the film. Well, I mean, now you'd have to book Darby as the kid. All I'm saying is Chris Columbus 
get on the blower to us. We have a dynamite idea to reboot this. I know the the movie they they did a movie on Disney Plus last last year. I haven't seen it, but without looking up a single review, I guarantee it's shite. Come to us. We've got a much better idea. <laughs> yeah. Okay. We have to do that now. Yeah. Yeah. Hundred percent. Um. Yeah, look, this wasn't. Uh, I think the worst Hogan look we've had so far was the, uh, the was it the NWO cap, uh, the sunglasses, yeah, the with flannel shirt and Jinko jeans. Mm-hmm. That that was the worst Hogan look so far. This though, this was a. Uh... Did, did you notice that it was a balaclava on his head? Well, it would become clear later on that that's what it was. Well, because out of context at the start of the show, did you notice it's a balaclava? No, what I wrote down out of context at the start of the show was that he was wearing a hat that was two sizes too big and a shirt that was two sizes too small uh, with the most enormous collar line I've ever seen in my life. <laughs> like, this was proper. Look, there's no two ways about it, Lee. There was a tremendous amount of Hogan cleavage on show uh, in this cold open. Uh, he was leaving very little to the imagination in this shirt. Listen, sex sells. It does, you know, and uh, Hogan leading the industry in that. Uh, <laughs> he's He says uh, he's going to give Flair one shot at the world title tonight. Skips forward. It shows him trying to claim a count out win. Surprise, surprise, because Flair isn't there. And, the, and as we would learn later, he knows well he's not there. Um, US champ Piper emerges uh, in his T-shirt that says reality check on it. Get it. Edgy. He, he was years ahead of the Trumpites, wasn't he? Oh my God, streets ahead. Uh, do, do, do you know what I love, though? Yeah. Roddy Piper is the US champ. It's a weird one, isn't it? Hulk Hogan acts like he hasn't seen Roddy Piper in years. Yeah, who the fuck is this, brother? He, he won the title <laughs> the week before. <laughs> he looks uh, almost as stunned to see Roddy Piper, current champion in WCW, as he was to see Warrior when he debuted. Yeah, maybe it's just that Hogan is utterly per- like he's like one of these out of sight, out of mind people. Like if you're not currently in front of him, he completely. Fr- oh my god, I haven't seen you in years, brother. It's like a horse when he turns his head with the blinker. He's like, oh my god, <laughs> great to see you, Jack. Um, yeah. So uh, Piper says Flair is busy tonight, so they it it is them that will wrestle. Skip forward to Piper. He uh, nearly uh, has Hogan beat with the sleeper. You forgot the important part. What? Piper is still an acting commissioner. So yes, I think that yes. brings the number of authority figures to 106. Yeah. That's a big boardroom table, Lee. I mean, we have Mrs. Raven. Yeah. We have Nick Lambrose. Nick Lambrose, legend. JJ Dillon. Don't know if he's dead, but still rest in peace to a real one in case. JJ <laughs> Dillon. Yeah. Rick Flair. Rick Flair. Eric Bischoff. Eric, well, Eric Bischoff is currently still getting the coffees, isn't he? He's not back in charge yet. Yeah, but he's still an authority figure. Yeah. Um, Vince has made matches. The NWO Vince. Yeah. yeah. Um, Most members of the NWO have made matches. That is true. So that yeah. that includes, what, 26 other people? Yeah. Um, who else has been an authority figure? I feel like Jericho has booked himself into matches before. Well, he did go um, to the... Oh. Uh, Gene booked a heel turn and a feud by himself <laughs> last week on the show. That is true. 
And let me let me say, I can't remember who it was. Uh, I want to say, it was, was it our friend Monkey Buckles, Mark? Uh, some somebody, one of the the usual um, uh, Thunder Buddy gang uh, was saying to us last week that we sh- uh, that they are totally all in on like a procedural series where uh, Gene Okerlund goes around starting angles and just walking away. Oh, for the hotline, yeah. Yeah, yeah. It's like it's like a reverse Scooby Doo. It's like he it's like he's going in and he's causing the central mystery of the show. Like he's going in. Maybe, maybe he's the man behind the White Hummer. Possibly. Who's to say? Yeah, I mean I mean who's behind the Hummer would have sold a lot of um, a lot of calls on the hotline. Do you know what? If it had turned out all this time that it was him in the Hulk Hogan coloured Dodge Viper that ran down Savage in like one of the early episodes of Thunder. That would be one of the greatest swerves in the history of the sport. The the Viper that had the license plate H. Hogan. Yeah, oh, yeah, <laughs> that'd be the very same one because that's what that that's what he'd do to throw you off. Gene's a smart guy, you know. Um, so Piper nearly has this match with Hogan won. Um, when Hall arrives with the stun gun, stuns him to bits for a DQ. Um, stuns him to bits. I was like, I, initially, I had that usual gut reaction we all have at an NWO running and and disqualification. I was like, oh fuck this. But I was kind of thinking like, I know they're doing Hall and Piper at the pay per view. So I'm like, even though I hate an NWO running, at least this was one that actually played into an existing storyline instead of solely just being getting out of a finish. Mm. Um. So I don't want to say I give this one a pass, but it's like it's one of the the more sensible ones they've done. Yeah, there seems to be some kind of logic behind it, I suppose. Hmm. Um. Yes, as we said, it's our go home for Super Brawl, and a steel gauge, a steel cage comes into view, and the announced team say they have no idea why it's there. Because now, why would they? Now, Lee, here's a funny thing. As soon as they said this, while showing the shot of the le- the the looming steel cage, I had like my memory triggered, and I am thinking if it's not this show, we are at best a couple of weeks away from when I started watching this show. Now, I know the spot when you started watching the show, and it's not this one. Oh, do you? Yeah, because it is this year sometime. Mm-hmm. Okay, because when they said the steel cage is here, we have no idea why. And then, it, like, we had a lash in the room at shortly afterwards. I was just like, is this the first Thunder I saw clips of? I don't think it was. I think you were okay. a bit later on. It might be. It might be. Let's see. We'll, we'll see what happens. Because, and your theory stands to reason, because I don't have solid memories of anything else that happened mm-hmm. on this show. Um, But anyway, let's let's roll on. I know I was definitely watching it before Sid came back. Because okay. um, I remember him coming back and I had already been watching for a while at that stage. We will piece this mystery together as we go, my friend. And I know it's still during the Lash LaRue singles push. So, Well, I mean, that last year's. As well it should have, my mm. friend. I will have no rage and cage and slander on this program. I mean, you mark my words. That's because you look alike, Bunny. <laughs> of course, yeah. The virtual fucking body doubles, the two of us. Life model decoy of the man. Um, 
So, NWO Black and White versus The Horseman to go on to Super Brawl is our main event this evening. It's funny because they do this thing where we have no idea why the steel cage is here. But by the way, our main event is Horseman versus NWO. Uh, like, it's just... You, you want to telegraph something? I mean, they, 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 could, they could just tell people there's a cage match to end a show. Stay watching the fucking show. Yeah, yeah. Like, yeah, because that might build viewership. And they hardly mention it on commentary after that until the cage match. And there's it's not like there's a huge reveal or an announcement or anything like there's just like the main event starts and they just go, Oh yeah, the cage is down, so I guess this is what's happening. Like you get the impression that the cage is just above the ring every WCW show. Like you go to a house show, there's a cage here for no reason. Like, yeah. ooh, maybe we get a cage match, nobody knows. Yeah. Yeah. Um so we also hear from Flair for the first time since he was attacked. And I thought it was like, do you remember the original attack where they beat down him and David? I was like, surely he's been on TV since then. Uh, but it's another attack that we would learn about later. They called it one of the most disgusting assaults they'd ever seen in professional wrestling. Um, and they mentioned as well that Goldberg is going to be on the Tonight Show tomorrow night. So two days out from Super Bowl. And he's going to make a challenge that will set the world on fire. Next, we see uh, Stevie backstage approaching Booker T, saying, hey, man, I'm in charge of Hollywood now. Because you remember last week, Hogan basically told everybody in NWO Hollywood they were in charge of NWO Hollywood. I'm pretty sure we are in charge of NWO Hollywood at this stage. Yeah. So he's basically saying, are you still working for that chump, J.J. Dillon? You know, earning pocket change. You want to earn some real money. You come with me. Um and Booker, like the smartest man on the television program, is like basically like you do realize Hogan is working all of you, and the only thing you're doing is like carrying in his bags. And uh, this this aggravates Stevie, understandably. But what aggravates everybody in the situation more is that Disco then approaches them and suggests, "Oh, is this a Harlem Heat reunion?" <laughs> they, in, you know, in no uncertain terms, tell the man to fuck off. Um. And because he's trying to say, oh, if it's a Harlem Heat reunion, does that mean there's room in Hollywood for me? Um, and when they tell him to get lost, he's like, oh, is this a brother thing? And Booker, incensed by this uh, implication, uh, immediately goozles uh, Disco and is like, I'll tell you what I'm going to do to you as the camera cuts away. I mean, I'm going to assume the worst here and assume that that was a racism by WCW. Yes, that yeah. is immediately, that's immediately what I went to yeah. uh, in my head. And, you know, with some companies, you give them the benefit of no, the doubt, Freudian no, no, slip no. or whatever. Not this company. No. Not this company at all, my friend. Um, next up, Tori is back. No, excuse me, her name is not Tori. What is her name? It's Samantha. Oh, Samantha, sorry. Yeah, it's Tori. <laughs> um... That's WWE Royal Rumble competitor, Tori Wilson. Yes, was she in, of course. Was she in the Rumble this year? Uh, no, not this year. I she has been in it before, though, I think. But was um, she a world champion? I don't think she ever won the title. But I she, could be wrong. She wasn't a world champion in the Rumble. No. Okay. No. In case you hadn't heard, Mickey James is the first ever world champion in a Royal Rumble. First ever. She wasn't even the only world champion in that Royal yeah, Rumble. Yeah, no, but she's still the, the only ever. Yeah, only one. Um, so Tori is back uh, in a hotel room flirting with the camera. 
And let me tell you, compared to last week where they were in this, like, you know, you know, not the Ritz, but a reasonably classy looking hotel. This is the most fucking low rent Motel 6 looking fucking thing. Like the opening shot of the establishing shot of this scene is the door after it's been knocked on. And it's got a big fuck off stain on it. (laughs) She opens the door and it's the most kind of like dimly lit, shitty looking room you've ever seen. Um... And she said, oh, I guess the meeting went well. And the, the person behind the camera hands something over. It's the stun gun. And she says, oh, did Scott give you that? So there's an implication that whoever Samantha has been talking to this whole time uh, is a new or existing member of the New World Order. Fun, fun, fun. So last week, you know, the the vignettes were all very employed. I mean, this was just straight up porn. Mm-hmm. Straight up, because she's just like, oh, have you ever used one of these? Yeah. Uh, referring to the stun gun and said she has some experience with them. Or no, she's very experienced. Yeah, I'm very with experienced them. with this piece of machinery and starts chasing the camera with the stun gun. Yeah, and then we've got fade out. And then we get back to probably the most disappointed I was in oh. one respect on this whole show. At home with the Ravens. I was and so for- excited. For about three seconds, I thought it was a new week of them going on wacky adventures. But unfortunately, they literally just replayed the at home with the Ravens bit from last week where they go on a shopping spree. But I tell you what, Dave, what does that tell you about how badly booked the show is? So badly. Like, I, yeah, because part of me was like, are they replaying this just to drive home that Raven's coming back? Are they doing a thing where they accidentally put it on a week early and Raven's not back till next week? So they just need to do it again. Or do they have no memory or idea that they've already shown it and think they're showing it for the first time now? None of those answers are good, as far as I'm concerned. I think they just went, oh shit, we have to fill six minutes on the show. I just played the Raven yeah. vignettes. Now, look, I still enjoyed watching them the second time round. Mm-hmm. Um, and it was great to sit back and not have to take notes for a few minutes each time. It was good. It was like little breeders uh, in between this solid wall of text I usually type for these shows. Um, but I did laugh that right at the end of um the first segment here, they uh the Thunder Live logo uh popped up. I was like, what a bunch of horse shit! Like, if you ever, ever wanted evidence about how like never believe wrestling companies, no matter what they tell you, there it is, Thunder Live, yeah, live for a skit we have seen seven days ago that was no doubt recorded sometime before that, um. Disco is here with a microphone because we deserve nothing nice in this world. Uh, he came out to the Wolfpack music and it really annoyed the shit out of people uh, when he came out and it was just him. Uh, they were big mad about that. Um, he's here to introduce a legend, a hero of his growing up. It's Rowdy Scott. And it's Scott in a kilt uh, curtsying. Um <laughs> I don't know if it was the screen I was watching it on or what. Or... or was it just me or was it that Scott looked noticeably more disheveled this week than even usual? Yeah, he didn't Like look more good. like man needs a shower than mm-hmm. usual. Yeah. He, he's been on the road a few days too many without, you know, looking after himself. The road has in fact owned him. Um, and it's tough watching him in this segment because it's like... Here's a guy who is like a real naturally charming dude and a compelling act in wrestling. And I'm just seeing nothing here. If this is my first time skiing Scott Hall, 
and somebody told me, oh, this guy is and was a big deal, I'd be like, bullshit. Yeah, like like, literally all I have is shithole promo, fans don't care. He demonstrates no personality, no charisma whatsoever. He very much, as is his theme at the time, seems like he just does not give a shit. Totally checked out. Like I know, yeah. I know he was having major, like, family issues and stuff like that at this time. But yeah, yeah, his his career really suffered at this point. Uh, he Ev- says everything is buzzing about what's going to go down on Sunday between the official new member of the Wolfpack Disco. Big groan. Did he say uh, it was official? Yeah. Yes, he did. Okay. Yeah. Uh, new member of the Wolfpack Disco and Booker T, because even Tony on commentary goes, "Well, that's it. It's official." Um. So Disco, oh my God, I got I, I got big mad at this bit where Disco had the nerve to call Booker T mediocre, and to question his athletic credentials. <laughs> um, absolute disgrace. Well. <laughs> What did you think of Disco comparing comparing himself to a virus? He says, you can't stop me. You can only hope to contain me. Yeah, I I could not disagree with that sentiment. Mm-hmm. Um, so then they turn their attention at the end to Piper. And it's kind of like he just he just waffles for a little while. The basic yeah. sentiment is uh, there's only one person walking out on Sunday with the US title. And it's Scott Hall. Woo. Um, Raven then at the bank again from last week uh, before we go to our first match of the show and it's uh, the Raging Cajun Lash LaRue versus Chavo Guerrero and I wrote this could be rough because as we talked about last week much as I enjoy Lash LaRue myself very much at this stage he is extremely green and of all the people to put him in the ring with at this stage given um, what the other person is like I would not have picked Chavo anywhere near the top of that list you know, he's not the guy that you want to send him on house shows with to get better in, in 1999. Mm. First of all, I'm going to propose we uh, change Lash, Lash's name. Yep. I vote that we refer to him as Lash Lorraine Le from here on out. Denied. <laughs> uh, moving on. Uh <laughs> There's a, they do a bit of chain wrestling at the top <laughs> here. Just, just, just steamrolling him alone. That's what I get. You're getting exactly what that Listen, tried the, to. The Thunder Buddies will speak on this. And if they wish for him to be referred to as hey. Lash Ryan because of the eerily scary resemblance even between, Not between even, Dave and like, Lash Literally just both men who are alive I mean, is the only guy the only I mean if you could see Dave right now with the Cajun pearls around his neck the the long um, sideburns I mean it's just it's eerie I actually do have sideburns at you the do, moment you like, really they're, do. they're blended into the beard though. I mean the like, L it's not... like it's it's just it throws me off you're a fucking disgrace to broadcasting, Lee. This is what's gonna like. Why did you guys turn to a video podcast exclusively? Is like because I couldn't deal with this fucking gimmick. Basically, <laughs> is what I'm gonna say. Do you mean me or the actual Lash? Or do you know what? I should have like beat you to it and like just picked a random wrestler. Is like, do you, do you know who looks exactly like Scotty Riggs? Is Lee? <laughs> I would love to look like Scotty Riggs. I'd love to have the eye patch. You. Look, you're only an eye patch away from having an eye patch, mate. That's true. It's the only thing stop. Like, if you want me to go do a full like Sandman Raven and like you know, 
give you a worked blinding spot on the podcast or something like that. You can stay home for a month with double eye patched up. That's cool. I mean, I'm sure you could arrange. I'm pretty sure there's like a long list of Irish wrestlers that would love to blind me. Now, I know that um, in modern wrestling, um, you are susceptible if you get blinded in an angle to a case of what we call lore face. No. Which unfortunately, um, one Malachi Black is very like he has desperate lore face at the moment. So I don't know if you want to run that risk. Is that like grayscale where if it touches you, it just overtakes everything? Essentially, yes. Yeah. I don't think my boss would like that. It's tough. It it gets like progressive on your face. You cut increasingly rambly promos. Um, do you know? Like, on the upside, eventually you'll end up with, like, a uh, a large tattooed heater showing up and doing your dirty work for you. So maybe, like... Yeah, but you no, know, my, couple... my look, it'd be Wyndham Rotunda. Oh, <laughs> uh, yeah. That would be great. I, I'd watch that show. What, me, me, what, me and Bray Wyatt? <laughs> yeah, it's like you get to relax at home while Bray Wyatt goes to work for you. I mean, yeah, I am a man of very little effort. Yeah. That would be great. I'm telling you, look, somebody needs to sign us to some sort of developmental deal with all these. We're firing out these TV and movie ideas on this show. Um, (laughs) Early on in this match, they start doing some chain wrestling. And um, what I a spot I I really liked seeing that you don't see very often is like the rare outswinging arm drag from from Lash LaRue hits. Like he does a couple of normal arm drags, but he also does the kind of like outswinger where he doesn't like Chavo doesn't pass over his body during mean, the arm you mean drag. A Japanese arm drag. Yes, that's I was trying to think of the name of it earlier on. Okay. Um just as you were describing like outswing, I was like, does he mean a Japanese arm drag? Yes, yes, yes. yes. I mean my favourite spot early in the match was where the camera cut away. Oh, yes. Where, like, for the second successive week, uh, WCW production just gets bored watching a match and they cut to something that happened backstage. And I... I... What was the director's name? Keith Mitchell, the guy that just retired. Yeah, yeah. So he was sick of wrestling this long ago and it took him 23 more years to retire. I mean, the man went through a stint in TNA and still never cut away from matches like this. So Tony says, we've got a camera crew outside. We've got to go there urgently. They go outside. And by the way, like, this show gets broadcast in prime time. So it's nighttime in... January uh, or no in February and they cut outside and it's broad daylight and uh, a limo is pulling up and Ray Mysterio is just kind of like trucking along in the car park walking along and as the limo stops the the window rolls down and it's Lex and Liz and they basically Statler and Waldorf style heckle him (laughs) drive on a little bit longer stop the limo uh, door opens Liz gets out and as Lex is trying to get out uh, Rey Mysterio runs screaming from off the corner of the camera and like kicks the door into Lex's arm uh, Liz freaks out Lex is screaming all the while like as he's going off camera Ray is screaming about that that's thug life just I'm- I mean, have you not never seen thugs on the street kicking indoors? Well, I was going to say, the original Doctor of Thugonomics. Incredible scenes. Who knew? Who knew? Like, <laughs> if you were, to, like, I wouldn't, until this day, I wouldn't have believed you if you told me that John Cena watched his Rey Mysterio tapes. But now I can see it. 100%. <laughs> um... <laughs> what's brilliant then is like I said it's night time they say they're cutting outside right now it's broad daylight and as soon as they cut back uh, Tony's like oh yeah that was was footage from earlier this afternoon yeah after saying we have to urgently cut outside our camera crew are there 
It's like, oh no, no, that was recorded earlier on. Brilliant. Brilliant stuff. Uh, back to brawling on the outside with Chavo in charge of the match. Chavo stretching Lash out. Uh, Lash gets a few moments here for a little bit of shine and some showboating. Um, he does this cool um, float over Northern Light suplex. Um, it wasn't like 100% smooth, but I like the idea. Do you know what it looked like to me? Is what? Do you ever see... Oh God, what's the name of the move? It's like that that kind of float over DDT. I think Osprey used to do it. It's where you basically flip into a DDT. Oh, like a DDT destroyer kind of yeah, thing? Yeah, kind of thing. Yeah. That's yeah. basically what it looked like Lash did. He spiked yeah. his own head. Yeah. Um, it was a cool, like, it was kind of like, it was one of those, the idea of what they were trying to do was cooler than, mm-hmm. like, in terms of smoothness of how it came off. Um, so Lash get, then gets stuck in a tree of woe, but hung kind of reverse, like, over the outside, outside of yeah. the turnbuckle. Um, Chavo keeps beating on him while hung till he's DQ'd. The classic being DQ'd for kicking too much ass. Mm-hmm. Wouldn't break the uh, at the ropes for a five count. Chavo then shoves the ref over, and the commentators like, "Oh fuck yeah, that's a fine." So they 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 say that on just keep that continuity. They say, "Well, that's him getting fined for that." Uh, Kidman in his sneakers comes out for the save, uh, but Chavo. <laughs> takes control pretty quickly whips him into Lash LaRue who's still hanging there their heads bonk together and Lash falls down uh, Chavo piles the two of them on top of each other and then goes up on the apron gets up on the top rope and the commentators are like oh my god oh my god because they think he's going to do like a moonsault or some shit but he just stands there kind of celebrating reveling in his own ass kickery um, Lee it's safe us. to say that it's it, it, it's safe to say that you know much like three of the other four matches left on this show, there wasn't a huge amount to say about this one. No, I mean, they didn't want to beat Lash LaRue this early. They yeah. couldn't have Chavo lose because he has a pay-per-view um, title match three days away. So, yeah. Dave, I have a question. Why book the match? I know, yeah. It's the classic, you booked yourself into a corner in the opening match of your television program with undercard guys... That is impressive. Mm-hmm. That is very impressive. Um, what have we got up next here? Oh, yeah. So we've got the shopping montage again, which again, great, but we didn't necessarily need to see it two, two weeks in a row. Um, so we've got a Nitro flashback. Uh, Flair telling the driver not to leave the limo for one second tonight. He's like, oh, I wouldn't dare violate my contract. We skip forward. The driver is making a detour. It is laid on so thick hey, from hey, the hey, first hey. segment. You're saying the driver. The driver is Eric Bischoff. Oh, is it? Did you not realize that? No, I was watching on my phone, so I didn't see who it was. <laughs> is it really? Yes. Oh, that's great. You know he's been doing all these jobs. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah he's fair, oh, that's he's, great. He's fair's driver. Yeah. Yeah, like for this middle part of the show, I was uh, I was making food, so I was watching this segment on the phone, and I didn't recognize his voice straight away because you know Eric has a dis- fairly distinct mm. voice. Um. Wow. Okay. That's that's suddenly even dumber of Flair. Yep. Yeah. You know, like it was already dumb with how thick they were laying on in production that like. Obviously, this is not going well for Flair. Oh, God. Well, it's, it's funny you should say you were, what, you were making food? Is that what you said? Yes. 
I actually I because I was stuck in work I got delayed and I kind of rushed home so I got stopped and got myself a McDonald's on the way haven't had one in many months at this stage Lee I'm going to stop the podcast right here and ask you what is your go to McDonald's order Big Mac and a sneak yeah. a sneaky six uh, chicken nuggets oh that's yeah that's a given that's a given but um, yeah I, I got myself that's fine Lee you don't have to ask me mine it's all about you at yeah the end of, of course uh, I, mean, yeah. I have an- and a- anecdotes to tell yeah, here yeah no absolutely, absolutely go fuck yourself so yeah anyway <laughs> you had your very important McDonald's so I had my McDonald's Dave and, yeah. Uh, yeah Lee Malone's Days of Thunder with you know fucking wacko the clown over here I mean you're La Cheroux, you're not a clown alright okay Um, <laughs> but I came to a realisation the- it's a double quarter rounder with cheese by the way <laughs> the uh, big Mac- right, not that you fucking care. I don't. I really don't. It's- I mean, I've I've been in many McDonald's with you, Dave. I'm well aware of what you order. Yeah. Actually, no, because you've mostly been in McDonald's in Germany with me, where because I like to get my, I get my McRib <laughs> on, I get my waffle fries on, I get my McWings on. That That's is true. It. We, we are yeah. going, we're going buck wild when we're in German McDonald's because they got some mad shit there. Um, but anyway. This marriage is very much one-sided, is all I'm saying. This is the. I came to the realization that uh, the Big Mac patties have been shrunk. Yeah, they they're at least five percent, ten percent smaller than what they used to be, and I'm not happy about this. Yeah. Well, do you know what? If you, you know, if you had expressed some interest in what I worked out at McDonald's, maybe they have some sympathy for you. But uh, if anything, I say make the Big Mac smaller. Why? Make them fucking microscopic. See if I give a shit. <laughs> Here's one for you. What's your go-to dip for McDonald's? Oh. It's probably a curry. Really? Yeah, well, like a barbecue, obviously. I think a barbecue is a pretty, like, fairly obvious route one one. I've never been a sweet and sour guy. See, sweet and sour is my go-to. Yeah, I've never been a sweet and sour guy. Um... Often, sometimes though, like if the stuff is perfectly cooked, like a little bit of salt on your nuggets, and you're you're good to go some of the time. Especially if you're having them on the go, you mm. know. Um, of course, yeah, the, ke- the, you the ketchup is never the correct answer. No, no. I will. What I will do is if I get my double quarter pounder, right? That, is that um, is that your order? Is it? Yes, it is. Yeah, might want to write that down. Say like you pretend you care. Or... <laughs> Do you know? See Coke Zero with a Oh yeah. See, a Coke see, Z. I know these things. Mate, mate, do you think we would have been allowed on this website if we ordered anything <laughs> about Coke Z's on this show? That was literally question one. R- R- Joe and Rich, they did not care what our show was about. They were just like, Coke Z, yay or nay. We said yay, they said welcome aboard. <laughs> um No, sometimes I, I don't like to get the um Especially if I have somewhere to go, I don't like to get the fresh onions on top of the, the quarter pounder because like they're big and chunky and you smell like onions for the rest of the day. So if I'm like on lunch from work and I'm going into a meeting afterwards, I'm not going to like chow down on a fucking onion because I'm like, do you know what I mean? I have places to be. I don't want to smell like onions. Um, So I learned in the intermittent years that in a lot of the McDonald's in Ireland, if you say I don't want a thing on the burger they will replace the space that that thing would have filled with more sauce. Really? 
yes, it happens. It's happened a lot to me where the thing is fucking swimming in ketchup. But I get it then. So what I end up doing is saying no onions and no ketchup, but then taking the packets of ketchup and getting uh. the correct amount of ketchup on the burger. Then, um, yeah. See, I I learned a trick years ago before before they had the kiosks. You know that you could alter your your burgers to oh, whatever. You fucking want. game changer that was. I mean, Jen had um, diabetes when she was pregnant and. You know, yeah. she would occasionally go into Burger King and she could actually alter the order so that she would get a burger with no bun. Yeah. And it would just come out and it's fucking amazing. But, um, mm. yeah, no, I learned years ago that if you order, say it's a, a Big Mac or a double quarter pound or two, whatever it is, and you ask for one thing altered on it, they will yeah. have to make you a fresh burger to give you what you want oh yeah 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 they have to make it to order then instead of leaving it so there. the simplest thing to ask for is like more mac sauce on your big mac yeah or extra pickles or something well i've noticed since the pandemic that they don't like stock up things as much anymore anyway like mm. the stuff seems uh fresher even when you're just getting the garden variety stuff um god this might be like some sort of um you know, paid tier exclusive in future. Like, oh no, well, sure. Joe's got his program where he go, he eats stuff, so we can't really infringe on that, can we? <laughs> no. Yeah, it can't just be like the two of us bringing my my portable recorder into McDonald's <laughs> and like just going layer by layer through the burger as if it's a match card. Yeah, we could go around raiding every McDonald's in O'Connell Street because there's like eight of them. I love the idea that it would be all as McDonald's and we'd always get the same thing. Yeah. And we just find different ways to talk about the exact same order. <laughs> I mean, isn't that what we do with Thunder anyway? It is essentially what we do with Thunder, yes. Although I wouldn't dare to insult the double quarter pounder by comparing it to Thunder. I'm fucking starving now. It's more, anyway, a, it's more of a fillet of fish, really, isn't it? Uh, the man that has been recently revealed to me as Eric Bischoff. <laughs> um, Bischoff. Yeah, he's yeah, only like you know one that. of the main characters in the. Company. Yeah, I know. Yeah, yeah. This is this is a lesson to me is like always pause the show and make your food instead of thinking, oh, I won't miss any detail by putting it on the phone for ten minutes. Anyway, well, I mean, the most important detail is still to come. Yeah, he um. So he rings the guys to say we'll be there in 15 minutes and he leads uh, them out into a field where suspiciously Nash and Hogan shaped men in balaclavas and black shirts open the door. They tell the other guys in the car, this isn't about you, get lost. Um, And then essentially proceed to absolutely beat the shite out of Ric Flair. Um, There are hummers everywhere. Yeah, I, I was just about to say, I thought you were skipping over the most important part. This is the no. debut of the Hummer on Nitro. It wasn't just, it wasn't just the Hummer. No, it was there multiple was Hummers. Like, uh, multiple Hummers, yeah. an army of Hummers. It's the Hummerverse. Um, yeah, the, <laughs> the Hummerverse. Um, I mean, if you know anything about WCW, you will know there are multiple Hummers and multiple different stories. Oh my God. If you like Hummers, do we have the uh, uh, wrestling on, promotion on, for you? You know, there's probably listeners that have no idea what a Hummer is. Do you want to do, do you want to enlighten people? They're really yeah, fucking they, they big. Hate, That's what I know. <laughs> the, the heyday of these. They're like, they're just basically... A massive gas guzzling. What wasn't um, it like? Arnold Schwarzenegger made them faint. Like he was one of the like first famous owners. Yeah, because do you remember the Simpsons parodied it then, where um, Rainier Wolfcastle. Rainier Wolfcastle had the one as like uh, one highway zero city. Yeah, 
um yeah that so that would make sense uh yeah just these big like absolute ozone layer killers they're not, uh, they're not even suvs cars. they're basically and like military vehicles genuinely there are commuter buses smaller than these fucking things um and yeah it becomes a trope in wcw that when mystery uh attacks occur on people there is a black or white hummer involved in in proceedings uh and this is yes the genesis of it in our timeline where there is a small army of hummers they're driving around in a circle around flair there's like a chopper with a spotlight with so a camera cool. on it made that. it look like ah, made it look that. like it was it made it look like it was fucking an episode of cops or some they, shit they should have had like a fake news like CNB or something like just yeah. fake news channel recording it. Do you know what I loved about it is like I was immediately like, why are they wearing balaclavas when it was immediately obvious not only to the viewer but to Ric Flair? They all knew straight away who the people in the balaclavas were and they made no secret of it because within seconds of the beating starting, Vince and Buff took off their balaclavas. <laughs> It's just like, we think this shit looks cool. Do you know what would have been the best, like, if this company had its head screwed on right, do you know what the best twist on this would have been? Finley and the Balaclava? No, if they had done the thing where they, uh, for Hogan's Balaclava, they had the Balaclava and the hole on it, there's there's two holes for the eyes, and then instead of a mouth hole, there's a hole in the exact shape of the handlebar (laughs) moustache. And they are fucking cowards for not doing that. That would mean they would have had to plan it out, and you can guarantee this was not planned out at all. No. It was probably like they know somebody from a local Hummer dealership who was like, yeah, we've got six. Do you want to use them tonight on Nitro? And they were like, fuck, yeah, bring them over. We'll figure out what to do later. Meet us in this field. So watching this segment, I came to a realization about 2022 Cody Rhodes. Okay. And that realisation... You're taking me on a trip here. I mean, listen, this is stuff that got through my mind when I was Let's go. This has been a particularly tangent-heavy show, so I'm all for it. So, you know how Cody's, you know, a face that's hated and doesn't realise it. So... Yeah. And, uh, by the way, not only is he, like, does he, like... (laughs) My favourite thing of the Cody thing is people who are taking him at face value, saying he's not turning heel at our getting absolutely worked to bits they don't him. get it yeah yeah um, and it's like he's not a subtle man no. like it shouldn't be this easy to work people but I mean, anyway I mean what did he mean by when he smashed that um, chair with the sledgehammer who knows yeah. I mean what could have possibly meant it goes back to what has been said on I think it's I think the flagship have said it multiple times before is like at the end of the day at the core people want to be worked mm-hmm. but the difference nowadays is that people get mad at the assertion that they have been yes instead of being like oh they got me they're like fuck you they didn't get me anyway continue anyway so watching this beatdown of Rick Flair in the field I came to the realisation that Cody Rhodes needs to grow a Hulk Hogan or Hollywood Hulk Hogan style beard. So he needs to have like the, the dirt, dirty black beard with the, with the blonde hair and yeah. then the blonde beard, the blonde kind of goatee. We, we might get him to gateway there because like, he's obviously such a sting fan mm. that he might do the, the, the short lived sting goatee. Oh, that's true. Yeah. And we might gateway him into a Hogan, uh, handlebar by doing that who knows 
Yeah, that's we can hold out hope. I mean, I'd love somebody needs to Photoshop that, like mm. modern day Cody with the Hogan with the Hollywood Hogan beard. Hogan, um, Hogan brags that after this beating, that Flair will never make it to the pay per view. Uh, later on, Flair is found and picked up. Uh, then later again, you see him get into the arena, fall out of a pickup truck, uh, grab an axe handle off the back of the pickup truck, and stumble to the ring. Uh, he's badly outnumbered, and they beat him up again as the crowd chants Goldberg. They go back to tonight. Uh, another limo arrives. Uh, this time, it, like in the exact same position outside the building, um, Steiner sticks his head out. He asks if DDP is there. The guy says, nope. Scott turns to whoever's in the car with him, presumably Buff, and says, told you. Um, we get Raven and Canyon at the nightclubs and coming back in the Porsche again. Um, then we get a Brian... Uh, uh, Brian Adams and Horace pre-tape. They do a couple of pre-tapes uh, of the two tag teams in the main event tonight, and both of them appear to be at the setting for their high school yearbook photos. <laughs> what is the odds that they went, shit, we have two minutes of airtime to fill. Get the lads to do a promo. Yeah. Do you know what? I actually like the tone of this promo because I, I, I love the bit when heels act, have a persecution complex. And they're so deluded that they, they have this thing about, how, oh, the NWO have had the hardest path of all in this tournament. You know, nobody ever respects us. Like these guys who've run roughshod for fucking three years over this company and they're like, oh, poor us. I, I love that yeah. um, Horace says they're the toughest of the tough, the baddest of the bad, the meanest of the mean. Yeah. I mean, how do tough Tom and mean Mark or Mike or yeah. Matthew, whatever the fuck his name is, feel about this? <laughs> Matthew, Mark, Luke or John. What, what was his name? Malicious Mike. <laughs> Nasty Nick Ticked off Timmy I mean there was a whole gang of them I mean I'm yeah. not saying they were like the uh, Seven Dwarfs But like yeah. Perturbed Peter was there I mean for sure. Horace was definitely taking their gimmick Yeah Slightly headachey Harold was there For sure <laughs> I need a nap Nigel All Scoop, the greats Scuba Steve Scuba Steve Um so they said that they have a psychological advantage because, you know, you count down through the horseman. Flair is clinging on to life at the moment. Mongo uh, can't see shit, basically. Uh, and Arn is in jail. I'm just like, we have missed a lot by not watching Nitro. I mean, people think, so, people think Glock Anderson was a new thing. Apparently not. Yeah. So <laughs> Mongo is blind and Arn's in jail. It's been quite a week. Um, we go back to the ring. Uh, Jericho's on the mic. He uh, wants to remind people that he is their role model, but you don't know that he is the god of thunder and rock and roll as well. Uh, he then begins to slag off Perry Saturn's dresses, and he's here to introduce a real man in a dress, and that is Ralphus. Uh, Lee, this is the week where we can finally definitively say it. Ralphus is over. Ralphus had his own WCW. music. Yeah. Has his own music, got a pop, and... Not one, but multiple Ralpha signs in the crowd. Mm-hmm. Like, you want to talk about, you know, again, the 2021-22 vintage of Jericho is, you know, we're not going to stand here and go, this is the greatest shit of his career. and stuff like that. But this was a guy, before this, like, most recent part of his run, 
was a guy who basically his career was characterized by being given the dumbest shit or picking the dumbest shit sometimes himself and inexplicably getting it over. Mm-hmm. You know, you want to talk about like the list, the best friends with Kevin Owens, like they, you know, you, we don't have the kind of time to go all the way backwards to this, like him going through the libraries of Congress last year on Thunder, finding the Ed Strangler Lewis loophole, um, all sorts of shit like that. Like he is just, this is something he's the master of. And, you know, you can't say it's down to Ralphus that Ralphus got over. Like as Jericho put, got Ralphus mm-hmm. over, um, which is like maybe second only to Judy Bagwell in inexplicably over characters in our run of Thunder so far. Um, yeah. Um, and I will say, the uh, the grandma's Sunday best Ralphus was wearing was very becoming of him. He looked very happy in it. He was fucking delighted. Uh, I did love as well. Uh, he was wearing earrings with it. He had a big smile on his face. And one thing I was worried about was he looked like he was wearing wrestling boots. And I was just like, oh no. Thankfully, we didn't see Ralphus uh, try to have a Matt Classic here. Thank God. I actually thought they, uh, they looked like, you know, the compression socks you had to wear in hospital. Oh yeah, kind of, yeah. Yeah, that's what they looked like to me. Yeah, um, maybe it was that like because Bravos does take a bump in this. Maybe because he was told he's like, "You always got to bring your gear," so he just wore wrestling boots because he'd take one flat back bump. Um, the lads on commentary are absolutely obsessed with, obsessed with Ralphus. They go through a break. Uh, Jericho is hanging Hoovy uh, on the ropes. Uh, we, tries to get. We should say it's Hoovy versus Jericho. Yeah, Hoovy versus Jericho. Yeah. Which, like, without comedy and if they just did a straight match has been really good in the past. Uh, this is mostly shtick, this one. Uh, as I said, Jericho hangs Hoovy up on the ropes and he tries to get Ralphus to give him a kiss, which gets a big reaction from the crowd. Uh, Hoovy escapes. He knocks Ralphus down, which kind of almost turned Hoovy uh, heel in Salt Lake City uh, here. Uh, knocks Ralphus down before getting a near fall. I love that, like, randomly a few seconds after this spot, Ralphus decides, right, uh, it's time to stop selling. And just, you can pops see him up, in the yeah. background, just he just pops up. Grand. No bother on him. Um, pinning attempts in the ring. Uh, Jericho trying big moves, but Hoovy is too quick for them. Keeps reversing, keeps running away, uh, keeps coming back to hit a move. Um, the finish of this match, I really liked. Um, you know, it was very short-lived, but uh, Hoovy runs the ropes, goes for the pop-up Rana, uh, and as he does it, Jericho catches him by the legs, reverses it into the Lion Tamer. Hoovy nearly gets to the ropes. Jericho has stronger legs than he has arms, so he pulls him away and uh, tap out for that. Um, as the lads are heading to the back, uh, Tanae quips that, boy, they make a striking couple, uh, Ralphus and Jericho, which I did enjoy. Did you notice who sponsored the replay this week on Twitter? No. The replay was, was brought to you by Nestle Flips, Dave. Oh, good stuff. Are you a fan of the, of the Nestle Flips? I've never had Nestle Flips, but I think for a match involving cruiserweights, it's the perfect sponsor. Okay, do you not remember a couple of years ago, Flips were... Fucking everywhere over here. Oh, sorry. When you said Nestle Flips, I thought cereal. Yeah, the chocolate core pretzels. Yes, the pretzels. Yes, yes, yes. I love them. Yeah, they yeah. had to be like, what, three, four years ago. They were just everywhere. You couldn't walk, oh, dude. walk into a shop. Oh, dude, they're them. still here. They're still, like, you can get them down in Tesco. Oh, yeah, no, you can still get them. But, oh, I yeah. mean, they were everywhere, like, literally in oh, front yeah. of every tail. They were around for a while here in the 90s as well. 
like probably when mm. this was being sponsored and then just went away for a long time and then yeah you're right came back about four years ago yeah because pretzels kind of started getting a lot more popular about 10 years ago over here yeah and i've always been a big fan of the pretzel mm-hmm. big fan of pretzels. Um, but yeah they weren't like widely available here for a long time um what do we have next we have um a a promo for the wrestler that at this stage in this angle needs to be referred to as stock steiner um just basically a highlight clip uh, a highlight package of scott steiner uh creeping out uh kimberly and beating the shit out of of ddp then we have speaking of stock steiner buff is in the ring and did you notice that this week, uh, not to cast aspersions, but Buff, Buff had quite the roid belly on him this week. Mm-hmm. It was the classic, he looked like he had a bit of a gut, but that gut had abs. Yeah, Buff Buff was uh, after cycling back on, shall we say, this week. Yeah. Um, he introduces Scott, who, according to commentary, uh, apparently had his lawyer on Monday threatened to press charges against DDP. And much as, like, you know, the Kimberly element of this storyline we're very much not in favor of the idea that after all the like attacking and beating the tar out of DDP there was a segment where Scott brought out a lawyer intending to press charges and pull DDP up in front of a grand jury that's a good bit I'm just upset we didn't get to see the lawyer on Thunder I know I hope it was just Dr. Cecil Swartz again in a suit I really hope that's what it was that'd be a great bit yeah yeah, or it was like buff in a really terrible disguise. Um, <laughs> or as I'm rewatching um, Arrested Development again, just Henry Binkler. Oh, they're gonna say Bob blah blah. <laughs> I actually haven't got to Bob blah blah yet. Oh, because this would be like a few. This would probably be a few years before the heyday of Bob blah blah's law blog, mm. lobbing law bombs. <laughs> <laughs> um. Basically, the two lads are in the ring here and they talk shite for ages about uh, Paige and about Kim uh, before Buff then introduces Scott's opponent for the night, who is Bobby Blaze. And I know, Lee, you're a huge Bobby Blaze fan. Am I? I can see the poster on your Zoom screen there. Massive. Just, is that like, oh, a shrine as well. Shrine, yeah. I have bits of here and all, yeah. Yeah. Super weird, but whatever. Um, Scott, this is like this is just a fabulous squash match. It goes on for less than two minutes. Scott just tosses him around the ring, hits one of his uh, belly to belly suplexes. Uh, even though he's decisively winning this match, he still takes the time to threaten a referee, which I appreciate. Uh, puts Bobby in the recliner. Uh, he wins the match. Then he decides to put him back in the recliner again. Uh, and Buff asks him how he feels. So you get like the whimpering uh, in pain into the microphone, which again, a good bit. Uh, Blaze gets medical attention. He's put on a stretcher. Steiner decides he's not done yet. Comes out, flips over the stretcher, starts stomping on the backboard, which is on top of him, and then puts him in the recliner again as we go to break. I must say, there's nothing funnier in wrestling than somebody getting flipped off a stretcher. No, no, it's a It's classic. Um, our next match is Conan and Ray versus Garza and Silver King. And this is probably like the main event. You know, we'll talk about the main event. Um, but this is probably the most like because it's blink and you'll miss it. It's probably the most over match on the show mm. because all it is is like there's no pretense towards this being a tag match. Bell rings and Conan and Ray just go fucking hog wild. Yeah. <laughs> 
big moves, huge crowd pops, um, and my f- like again, this is a show where I I liked some of the finishes, and this was the best one. Uh, where Conan monkey flips Ray into a Rana. Rana. Yeah. yeah, was on was on Garza. No, it was on Silver King. Oh, on Silver King, on Silver King. Yeah, so he monkey flips him into a Rana. So that was that was awesome. I mean, um, we shit on WCW when they deserve it, which is a lot of the time. Yeah. But they really actually have done a decent job in the past couple of weeks establishing Conan and Ray as a tag team. Yeah. And I mean, putting them in there with two luchadors helps. Yeah. And that feud for the pay-per-view has heat. Mm-hmm. You know? Um, and we'll talk about where that goes uh, on the next show. Um, next up, Horseman promo in the yearbook photo room. Uh, they're sick of the NWO and... Um, I love as well. These these two are the only two people in the company that seem to be one aware and two still annoyed that the NWO keep fucking up this tournament. They're the only ones you know? that truly love tag team wrestling. Again, dude, like we raised this point when they decided to redo the tag team tournament that was already halfway done. Like the NWO kept interfering in matches and not allowing it finish. So Flair, when he got control of the company, was like, right, fuck is we're starting the tournament again. And the NWO are not allowed to interfere in any matches, but then turned around and put an NWO team in the fucking tournament. Well, I mean, they put themselves in the tournament. Oh yeah, that, sorry, yes. Technically they put themselves in the tournament and Flair just didn't stop them. Which is like... So nothing has changed, essentially. No. Um, anyway. Uh, we get a catch-up video on like the recent history of the US title with Brett and Piper and the build for the match at the pay-per-view. Again, always... The, like What you've had here is a few segments where in really quick squashes you're establishing people that have pay-per-view programs as strong both with um like the likes of jericho and uh conan and ray here uh and on top of that you've got some good video packages throughout the night that are recapping and heating up feuds for you to say these are reasons you should buy the pay-per-view um and like they don't do the hard sell on this show in as much as like directly, you know, word for word begging you to buy the pay-per-view, but they're doing it through their actions. They're actually showing you rather than telling you why this pay-per-view is going to be good. Yeah. It's a Um, a nice change to see them actually build stuff. Well, yeah. Um, next up we have Booker T versus Jerry Flynn. Um, I gotta say, Behind Conan and Ray, who got the biggest superstar babyface pop on this show, Booker T has got to be like the next one underneath that. People were so excited to see him. Uh, We got a couple of minutes of uh, Jerry Flynn uh, on the offense. Then we go to Booker T doing his big moves, including the axe kick. Uh, Booker gets ready to finish the match. Uh, Jerry reverses. Uh, he's low bridged out of the ring by Disco, who hits a chart buster on the floor. And Jerry wins with, you know, to honor our good friend Garrett Kidney, Jerry wins with the TNA kick. Yeah, basically. And you gotta love it. You gotta love it. Um, 
next segment we've got gene and flair in the ring uh flair is wearing sunglasses he's all like you can see his freshly stitched cuts and all that sort of stuff he's banged up and he's a bit shaken and for the most part he delivers this pay-per-view in a very serious tone he's like i could get animated i always you know me i always want to get animated that's who i am uh but i want to drive home the point here about what kind of man hogan is um and you know what? Much as like, you know, we've always said this match between those two has never been good, but it should have been, mm-hmm. you know, more of a big deal than it was. I got to say, Flair did a good job of talking you into the building here and reminding you about like the differences on many levels between these two men. And he goes through a lot about how like to feel like a world champion, Hogan had to have everything handed to him. He had to be the darling of the networks. Mm-hmm. He had to be a movie star. He had to have this. He had to have that. He had to literally have the title handed to him on this most recent occasion to be a world champion. And Flair simply goes, you know, by comparison, all he had to do was work hard for 20 years to be the absolute best. He said he's bound by his family, like the honor of his family, to make this a special day. He knows on his very worst day because he's saying like I'm banged up you know they, you know, acknowledging that they beat the shit out of him he's not 100% but he said he knows on his worst day he can kick Hogan's ass and he said I, I am sick of walking around backstage walking through companies and saying to be the man in this industry you have to beat Hulk Hogan on Sunday you've got to beat me I thought this was a great yeah moment. it really was I mean look <laughs> you know Rick Flair is fucking great at his job, you know? Yeah. When he's given something to get invested in, there really was nobody better. And, you know, this is a guy that in, what, when did he retire? 2008? Yeah. Like, he got people invested in, like, a really shitty storyline building up yeah. to his last, e- last ever match. Mm. So, you know, the fact that he could do this in 1999 with Hulk Hogan, yeah, of course he could. Uh, we have uh, Tori, a.k.a. Samantha, in bed post weird, creepy taser sex, and she's ordering food. Uh, I mean, then... knowing what we know about the Atlanta Falcons going forward in this company, does it surprise you? Oh, don't be spoiling stuff, man. It's a mystery, man. Knowing what we know about Redacted going forward in this company. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> if you think I'm going back and bleeping that, you got another thing coming. You really so. should, actually. I won't though. You, you really Absolutely should. won't. Yeah. Um. So she is uh, being taken to Super Brawl. Basically, uh, she's been given t- uh, tickets to go to see Super Brawl, and she says, "Oh, we have to go shopping. I don't know what I'm going to wear." And then we get to the main event. I'm just thinking, uh, like, you know, giving his love affair with Crowbar. I mean, Taser. I mean, it's you know, it's just. I'm just saying. I'm just saying. Yeah. I'm not. I'm not king shaming. Yeah, no, it's look, it's going to be Taserface from Guardians of the Galaxy. That's who's showing up at the pay-per-view, obviously. <laughs> um, anyway, so we've got our main event tag match in the steel cage with the commentators just learn, even though we all pieced it together two hours ago. It's the Horseman team of Malenko and Benoit versus NWO Hollywood, uh, a.k.a. Half-Arst, Brian Adams and Horace Hogan. Um, do you know what, Lee? For the most part, this was by far the longest match on the show. It was like 15 minutes long. And... Um, for the most part, I just sat back and watched it. Yeah, I enjoyed this match. I thought, and I don't think it's exactly a high bar to clear, but distantly the best match I've ever seen Horace Hogan have. Mm-hmm. It's definitely the best match we've seen Brian Adams have on this run. 
Yeah, and it's WCW run. Yeah, that's fair. I think this was a very smartly put together match where everybody knew what they were doing. Mm-hmm. They didn't overdo it and try to do like a million crazy things. They just all had a role and they lived up to it. Yeah. You know? Uh, you had the the kind of the swaggering, cocky, big man heels that were trying to just like ruthlessly um, punch and kick their way to victory. And you had the smaller technical guys that any time they got within their reach and got to actually wrestle them, the heels were in trouble. Mm-hmm. And, and that's how this match played out. And I thought it was, it had really good heat. It was getting really good crowd reactions, which, uh, you know, a main event cage match is gonna. That was going to be my point. I think the crowd deserve a lot of credit. I think they were yeah. very much, they were into a lot of stuff on the show, but they were really into this match. They, you know, yeah. gave the right reactions at the right times. Yeah. And yeah, like I, 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 I came into this match going, oh God. But like, I mean, I came out with this with a great appreciation for, like you said, what everyone did in this match. It's also, you know, WCW cage rules in the, in this case. So, um, it's, you, it's a straight tag match in a cage. It's a straight, it's a straight tag match in a cage. No fucking escape in the cage because mm-hmm. the idea behind the cage, you know, this. Uh, I hate to fucking sound like Cornette. The idea of the cage match is supposed to trap. You're not supposed to be able to get out. It's mm-hmm. supposed to be like you know. You get in there and you fight until one person, or in this case, one team, is left standing. And obviously, you know, we run into one of the the troubling tropes of that kind of cage match where everybody has to figure out a way to get out of the cage at some point. But I thought what they did here and the reasoning behind how they got someone out of the cage made sense Mm -hmm. for once. And that was... uh, Now, at, at first, I was like, oh, fuck. Because what happened is Vincent or Vince, as he's going by now, came out. I was like, well, this is immediately going to knock two stars off this match. And he's trying to get the cage door open. I'm like, oh, he's going to get it open. The whole NWO is going to run out. We've seen this all before. But he gets it out, and basically the heels bundle Benoit out of the ring, out of the cage, onto the floor, Mm -hmm. and lock the cage door again. So Benoit is outside, stranding Malengo alone with the bullies which is great. And, you know, Vince is trying to keep him down on the ground. He lays in a couple of stomps. But, you know, as you would expect, Benoit easily overwhelms Vince and he starts climbing up on the outside. And this kind of sets us up for the finish of the match, which, you know, we've made the point about Benoit before and obviously the CTE and everything like that. But, you know, in isolation, the headbutt off the top of the cage looks badass I mean it looks incredible he shouldn't have done it I wouldn't do it but again it's one of those things where you know like you know Ben always says like these are people who like volunteer to do this for a living you can't fucking stop them much as you might want to so yeah like you know there are definitely safer moves and safer things you could take off the top of the cage that would be as spectacular but I guess what I'm I'm trying to really put over here apart from like not that it was specifically a headbutt but the logic that went into planning right let's get Benoit out of the cage so that he can come around and climb up to be in position for the finish Mm -hmm. 
the whole thing made complete sense within the story of the match. I think it was an incredibly well put together match. And obviously the idea of someone leaping off the cage for the finish is spectacular. And it's also the kind of little things because the referee in the match is Little Nate. Yeah. And he's the one that prevents Adams from using the chair on Malenko and allows Malenko to counter. We yeah, actually miss, you know, classic WCW, they miss Adams getting laid out by Malenko so that he's in yeah. position for the headbutt. But, I mean, yeah. you look at that crowd when they realise what Ben Wild's up to. Yeah. They are on their fucking feet and ready for this. And, like, again, I'm not... I'm not um, condoning, you know, what he did and, you know, whatever. But, like, it, it's not a particularly tall cage. Yeah. It's not... It's not, like, it's not... Like the ones he was doing off the WWE no, cage. No, it's not, um, and it's not even the worst diving headbutt we'll see Benoit do in WCW off a cage. Yeah. Now, would I, in his position, have preferred an elbow drop yes, to meet my finish? Yeah. Yes. But I mean, this is a guy that idolized who he idolized, and yeah. that's why he did it. Yeah. And you know, nobody was going to make him change it. Um. That said, I thought this match was excellent. Did, yeah. It's the first. It's the first match in absolutely ages on Thunder that when I looked up the run order of the show on Cage Match actually had a recommended rating from the Observer. Oh, there you go. This got this got three and a quarter stars from Dave. That's fair. Like, I mean, yeah, I maybe yeah. go three and a half, three, three and a quarter. But yeah, no, it's yeah. it's not a blow-away match. Like, it's not you absolutely have to watch this. This is just a good, yeah. solid TV main event. Yeah. I think if you're one of the people who watches the shows along with us, you'll be very pleasantly surprised mm-hmm. by a main event, especially with one of the tag teams involved that turned out to be this good. Mm-hmm. Like again, I think a thunder high performance for sure from the, the Hollywood team yeah. here. Um, so really, really enjoyable. Um, Lee, that's the end of uh, Thunder episode 51 with the horseman standing tall going into the pay-per-view. But as you might recall, my friend, this is the go-home show for the pay-per-view. And for those of you who haven't been around before, there's a little tradition that we have on the show before a pay-per-view. Because obviously, nominally, this podcast came out of the idea of like, how much sense, how much can we piece together about WCW by pretty much exclusively focusing on Thunder? And chief among those measuring sticks was at the end of the go-home show before the pay-per-view, I sit down with my good friend Lee Malone and I say, Lee... Name that card. (laughs) So Lee has to tell me the entire card of Super Brawl 9. Now, he doesn't necessarily have to say what's the stip or what's the title on the line. He will get bonus credit for that. But uh, I want to hear the participants of the matches on this show. And the only hint I always give him about this pay-per-view is the number of matches. Lee, on Super Brawl 9, which will be our next episode... There will be a grand total of nine wrestling matches. Mm. Nine matches on the ninth year of Super Brawl. Yes. Mm. Fated. It's almost like it's meant to be. Hmm. Okay, right, I'll so, run these down. So we have Rick Flair, Hulk Hogan. Boom. One. Roddy Piper, Scott Hall. Two. DDP, Scott Steiner. Three. He's on a roll, folks. Billy Kidman, Chavo Guerrero. Four. The Horseman versus Wyndham and Henning. Uh, 
Yes. <laughs> I was gone. It, no, that is the yeah. final. I was waiting for you. I was gone. Yeah. Okay. Um, right. Do you know what? If we were, if we wanted to give you bonus points, that's, that's technically three matches. Oh, it's true. Because it's two out of three falls. Okay, yeah. um, so you're at five. Okay. So, two, two, two. What else? Oh, Booker Disco. Booker and Disco, yes. Mm. Six. Now, this is where things might get a bit hairy. Oh, yeah, of course, the hair match. <laughs> hey, seven. <laughs> yeah, Luger and Nash versus Conan and Ray. I, I think if you think about it, you can get these other two. Hmm. If I think about it, I can get these other two. Jericho. Yeah. Jericho and Saturn. Yes, eight. This might be the first. This could be it, Jesus. Ah, God, now let me think. One more, one more, one more. What titles have we got? Only took you like 14 pay-per-views, but you're right on the precipice. All right, yeah, talk up. <laughs> um, God, what other matches? There's a big feud you've forgotten about. Oh, the only hint I will give you is the feud that uh, culminates in this match and this pay per view was not mentioned even one time on this show. I don't think. Certainly, neither person in the feud appeared. There's a big feud. I'm trying to run, I'm trying to think of oh yes I do know ah I'm gonna get the full the full compliment here it's Goldberg and Bam Bam it is Goldberg and Bam Bam Bigelow that, that, congratulations that's a first. My friend yeah nine for nine and you know what fair play I must compliment WCW because they've built the pay per view well yeah I think we've said it for most of the whole run this is one of the better or at least more consistently booked pay per views uh we we've had mm-hmm. in our run so far Lee. Uh, before we get the hell out of here, um, tell me, what did you think of this episode of Thunder, uh, both as a, an episode and as a go-home show, and who were your winners and losers? I, you know what, for, for the lack of wrestling on the show, I actually enjoyed the show. I thought, you know, right, could have done without, you know, the like you said, the the photo shoot promos, the recap of At Home with the Ravens, could have done with some fresh mm-hmm. kind of content there. But other than that, there's been some good recap videos. They caught us up on all the Hogan Flair shenanigans. They built to Scott Hall and Piper. They've, yeah, the past weeks they've built to Bam Bam and uh, Goldberg. They've kind of built up Chavo as much as you possibly could. Yeah, They've got Booker into a pay-per-view match. I mean, I've no complaints with what they've done here. And I thought it was a, a decent go-home show. And do you know what? Yeah. Most of all, I'm looking forward to that tag tag team final. Yeah, absolutely. Um, yeah, I I I'd have to agree with you. I'm just kind of stunned that do you know it's the running bit on this show that we don't ha- have a clue what half or more of the cards are going into the pay per view. And I was even saying to somebody earlier today who knew I was going to record the show tonight, I was like, kind of a WCW trope is to randomly throw two to three matches on a pay-per-view that no one knew was happening that maybe a couple of if they had been built might have drawn a handful of buys mm. but they don't give a shit because they're they're using pay-per-views to build to nitros 
essentially a lot of the time so they don't build the pay-per-views properly but yeah i i don't want to say loved this show but i think this show ticked an awful lot of boxes for yes it had minimal wrestling but some of the wrestling it had was very very good i think it had a couple of very good squash matches and uh an excellent by thunder standards main event and as a television program that had to inform you of the big feuds going into the pay-per-view and make you want to see those feuds play out in a match it achieved its job there the only caveat being as we just mentioned goldberg bam bam is a match that really needed some more heating up after they cooled it off um but you know what i think it's fair to say posts finger poke of doom and everything that went on there, like, obviously we, we buried that beneath the fucking earth when it happened. And rightfully so. They've actually got one or, like, they, they have a handful of interesting things going on this month. They really do. And mm-hmm. they, you know, I don't think it gets talked about that this was actually a very well-built pay-per-view. Yeah, absolutely. Now, again, it, talk to us in two weeks and we'll let you know how it played I was going to say, it, it's possibly in spite of themselves, but, you know... Yeah, it often is. <laughs> it's... I'm going to commend them on it. I think they've done a good job. Hmm. Uh, your winners and losers. I mean, Chris Benoit and Dean Malenko come out of that main event looking like, you know, they've been elevated. Um, I think, in spite of him being a fucking chud... Disco has been elevated by being included in the Wolfpack. Um, yeah. <laughs> he's Either he's been elevated or the Wolfpack has been dragged down a bit. Um, other than that, yeah, no, there's not that much to come away from big winners on the show. But I do think the Horsemen mostly in the main event. Yeah. I uh, Yeah, that's fair. And, and to be fair, I don't think there's any heavy losers apart from Bobby Blaze. No. <laughs> Um, your finish counter brought to you by Ludwig Borga. Only five matches on this program, uh, probably with a cumulative time of not more than about 20 to 25 minutes. Uh, three clean finishes, one DQ, one interference leading directly to a finish. Uh, this has been another episode of Days of Thunder. Thank you very much for tuning in. We'll be back in two weeks with our episode on Super Brawl 9. Uh, we will see you all very soon. Goodbye. Stay safe. Thanks everyone for listening to another episode of Days of Thunder. Days of Thunder was produced by Lee Malone and edited by me, Dave Ryan. To keep up to date with the show and find all the ways to listen to us, you can follow us on Twitter at WCWThunderPod or click the Linktree link in our Twitter bio or in the show notes. I am at the Day to Dave on Twitter and Lee is at Malone underscore 713. Days of Thunder is a part of the Voices of Wrestling podcast network. Follow the VOW network anywhere good podcasts are sold for more fine podcasts than you can shake a stick at. Thanks.